Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Good evening, everyone. The music always gets me. We are just one hour from the closing of most polls in the Michigan primary, with President Biden facing the possibility of a significant protest vote over the situation in Gaza and Nikki Haley hoping for something, anything positive, with Donald Trump expected to easily win the Republican primary and the nomination. We will get to all of that shortly. But first, we want to set the stage just a little bit for where things stand when we talk about the Republican Party. So we begin the readout tonight with the freak show. The weekend, this weekend was the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, a showcase of just how extreme the once grand old party has become. How extreme, you ask? Well, as NBC News is reporting, Nazis mingled openly at CPAC, spreading anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and finding allies. Yes, you did hear me say Nazis. NBC News noted in previous years, conference organizers have ejected well-known Nazis and white supremacists such as Nick Fuentes from CPAC. But this year, racist conspiracy theorists didn't meet any perceptible resistance at the conference where Donald Trump has been the keynote speaker since 2017. CPAC has repeatedly denied it, calling NBC's reporting fake news and grossly manipulative and even going so far as to smear the NBC News reporter who was there talking to those very Nazis that CPAC says weren't there, saying our reporter was carrying the water for Hamas in his reporting of the recent Middle East conflict. Really, guys? Well, NBC News has the receipts, including both photo and video evidence of prominent white supremacists attending the event. Now, unless this was someone other than a Nazi giving a Nazi salute in the lobby of the conference hotel, eh, well, there you have it. They are letting literal Nazis, into their den of idolatrous Trump worship. I guess it makes sense since CPAC goes beyond just Trump worship by also serving as the coming together of those pushing white replacement theory and anti-immigrant bigotry. And not far from that conference in Washington, D.C., you have almost the entirety of the Republican Party in Congress worshiping Trump, too. You have this guy. There's no question. None. That President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. Even Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who clearly knows better, is reportedly in talks to endorse Trump, despite the fact that Trump has repeatedly mocked him, reportedly calling him a dun son of a B word, not to mention repeatedly mocking his wife and former. Trump cabinet member Elaine Chao. McConnell is preparing to kiss the ring. And today, McConnell, along with Speaker Mike Johnson, who just last week made the pilgrimage to Mar-a-Lago for the mandatory thumbs-up photo with the man pulling his strings, joined Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Democratic Leader Hakeem Jeffries at the White House with President Biden to discuss the looming government shutdown. Now, of course, if there's any potential to prevent a government shutdown, it's not McConnell or 
Johnson who will decide that. They will need to turn to the party's real leader, Geppetto himself, Donald Trump. And right now, Trump's concern has nothing to do with whether the government shuts down. He may actually prefer it, believing it will somehow help him in the upcoming election. Remember, he wants the economy to crash before November. And that is where his concern lies. Not to become president, to provide for the American people. No, no, no. It's all to save himself from accountability, from the 91 criminal charges that keep him awake at night. It's clearly driving him crazy. Just look to his low-grade Twitter knockoff, where he screams in all caps that all these fake political prosecutions must be immediately halted. And part of that is because he's also really worried about all those legal bills. And it's not just the tens of millions of dollars he continues to need to pay for his lawyers. There's also the matter of the more than half a billion dollars he owes from his civil judgments, including the fact that the meter is still running on his New York civil fraud trial to the tune of $114,000 a day in interest on top of the $355 million principle. That explains why he's so desperate to get complete control of the RNC, to help cover his legal costs. And to make that happen, he's pushing for Trump loyalists to run the RNC, including his own daughter-in-law, Lara Trump. And what you're seeing is the entire Republican Party rolling over for him, even though he is a weakened candidate, as we've seen, based off his latest primary wins, where he has lost about 40 percent of the vote and faced problems not just with independent voters, but also with a large swath of Republican voters who are not willing to drink the MAGA Kool-Aid and who say they will not vote for him once he is a convicted felon. It's a problem that Trump may very well see again tonight in Michigan. Joining me now is Maria Teresa Kumar, president and CEO of Voto Latino and an MSNBC contributor, and Rick Wilson, co-founder of The Lincoln Project and a former Republican strategist. Thank you both for being here, my friends. Rick Wilson, Nazis, really? Yeah, you know, look, it, there's a problem with this. My grandmother used to call it the turd in the punch bowl. Mm. Once you have a turd in the punch bowl, it's not punch anymore. Once you have one Nazi in the door, mm-hmm. you're not a, a conservative organization anymore. You're a pro-Nazi organization. And the fact that these people were there on the floor, perfectly comfortable, the fact that these people are circulating there now, because they are all part of a philosophy that Steve Bannon infected the GOP with called no enemies to my right. right. Which is why they were fine with Charlottesville at a certain level. Which is why they're fine with these people. They look at these people as their shock troops. As their, as their best guys, as the people that are going to go out there and metaphorically or literally swing at their enemies. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Matt Schlapp should be ashamed of himself. He for has, a lot of reasons. But he has, well, for a lot of reasons. Um, but he has no possibility of understanding just how corrupt and corrupted this is. Once you're okay with Nazis there, and like, they clearly like to see the PR damage, yeah. but the guys were in the, in the, in the, you know, in the facility, you know, giving the how Hitler, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. One is too many. Yeah. And I mean, the Nazis have been marching in Tennessee, sure. um, Maria, they've been Florida. marching in Florida, in some cases, carrying signs, banners for DeSantis. They, he says nothing. They say nothing. Let right. me play for you just a compilation of some of what they were saying about immigration at CPAC, because what's driving this, the Nazis vote to kind of keep them all in the tent kind of um, attitude is that there is this like hysteria about immigration. Here they are at CPAC talking immigration. The immigration issue is extremely simple. Seal the border, deport all the illegals. Who the hell can win when you have 16 million people pouring into our country from places unknown? They have diseases nobody's ever even heard about. I'm sorry. I feel badly for the people, but we don't want to 
have this contagion in our country. Our leaders are determined to repeat every mistake that led to the collapse of empires before us. Here are just a few of the common themes from history. Mass immigration and infiltration by foreigners who don't share our values and culture or even our language. Contagion. They get even a Jewish fellow, Stephen Miller and Ben Carson, an African-American, to say it, to say the words, to say the things. It's happening. I think one of the biggest challenges is for us to remember what was life under Trump when he was president. Sure. And it was a constant anxiety across all of America. And we seem to forget that those words that they speak of actually have consequences. It was the El Paso massacre, the person who conducted that Venice crime against Latinos that was inspired by Trump's then president's feed saying that there was a mass Mexican invasion right, and right. 23 people lost their lives. Those words are going to translate into something else. And I, what my hope is, is that as we are going into the State of the Union from the President of the United States, is that he uses that opportunity to remind the American people the contrast between him and Trump, and that under his presidency, we are a thriving multicultural America. My concern is for that child right now who is of immigrant descent, which is the majority of us, saying, oh my goodness, I don't belong, and being othered and being bullied. There's so many incidences that we are seeing right now of racial profiling amongst ourselves yeah. that are not even reported mm-hmm. because people feel that they cannot. Yeah. And so what he is actually creating is an incredibly dangerous tension that is going to pit Americans against each other. And you know the only people who benefit from that? He will benefit because you allow grift, but then so do foreign actors and foreign Yeah, agents. absolutely. And, and the thing is, I, I'm glad you said we need to remember because there is this mismemory where people are sort of trying to remember the Trump four years as the good old days. A million yeah. people died right. of COVID. Right. Uh, kids were being screamed at on basketball courts if they were Latino mm-hmm. and called illegals and told get out of the country. I mean, it was an awful time and people were so exhausted. They elected Joe Biden. But right. you know what Joe Biden is planning on doing right now? He's going to the border. Both of them, both he and Trump are going to both do trips to the border. Now, the Biden team is saying they're doing it essentially to shame Republicans who refuse to vote for that border deal, which is, is, I guess, smart politics. But what do you make of the fact that the response on the Biden side, just as a strategist, is they too are going to the border? Look, they're going to take away the one thing Trump claims he has, which is strength on the border. Biden has offered, and the Democrats have offered, the best and most balanced border security bill that's been out there in 45 years. And the people that are siding with the cartels and the coyotes and the smugglers and all the all the catalog of demons the Republicans talk about every day, the one guy keeping that border open is Donald Trump. Yeah, demanding that they he's do it. the one. And so, and Biden has a chance to invert the 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 alleged strength that Trump thinks he has. And if if I were Biden, I'd go down there and say he built a wall that was a joke that we paid for. He never did anything except talk on this. And the people, the danger part, the dangerous parts of the border. In, especially on the on the drug smuggling side, the fentanyl smuggling side, those are people who now rely on Donald Trump for their business model. Mm. Yeah, and, and look, he's going in the midst of these polls. Let's just look at this. Is illegal immigration a very serious problem? 91% of Republicans say yes. 41% of Democrats, too. And so it's become a thing where it's increased among every single group from 2015 up to 2024. Yeah. It's a shared concern. 
Well, and I think one of the things that we all also have to realize is that the, by the time that someone gets to the border, Troy, that is not our immigration policy. Right, right. We have to recognize that the reason that we got to this moment was that Trump himself dismantled a lot of the programs mm-hmm. where people could go ahead and file for some sort of visa or work permit in their home countries. And in an effort to rebuild that, you had COVID that really upended Latin America specifically. Sure. We had close to 16 million middle-class Latin Americans that went directly into lower class. They went into poverty, and there was no response internationally from any of this. Yeah. So as the as the president goes in and talks about how tricky the situation is, how it's a Western hemispheric issue, I hope he also recognizes that there are essential workers that are demanding relief, that have been here for 10, 20, 30 years, yeah. that have been paying their taxes, who have American children who are ready to vote for him if he actually recognizes their contributions. But what he is saying, what Trump is saying he's going to do is just deport them all. He exactly. says he's going to deport 10 well, million people. He wants well, how to. How is he going to know who's, who's, who is. I think anybody Latino is suddenly going to be no, targeted anybody with an deportation accent. or anybody with an accent. Right? And anybody, right, black right, or brown. Right. I mean, he wants to formulate this program that's based on what they called Operation Wetback. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the horrible words, but yeah, that's what they called it. Eisenhower. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what he wants to do. It's a mass cruelty program, but what he's keying in on is that people are angry and they just want to see something cruel. The same people who didn't mind mm-hmm. that children were being taken off of their the breasts of their mothers as they're breastfeeding right. and essentially stolen from their parents. Mm-hmm. They didn't mind that. They want that back. They want the cruelty, Joy. That's yeah. the purpose of their movement. There's no ideology or policy or philosophy. They want the show. They want the spectacle of cruelty. They want to see the kids being separated from their parents. And this idea that's fundamental to so much of what they're doing of close the border, Stop have you know stop a, a abortion. All these things. There, the core of it is this white replacement theory panic that they're all having. The core of it is is a sickness where they believe that performative cruelty and mass deportations and all that somehow make them strong. This is a country that was always ne- it was never about blood and soil. It was always the propositional nation. You know when my when my family's people came here in the eighteen. 18- hundreds in the 1810s, they were German. They were the scum of the earth. And then we've had successive groups where everybody, you know, who came in, they had that transitory moment. Right now, we are, I think, breaking a vital cultural vow that we made in this country to when people come here and play by the rules, America was for everybody. It's not just for Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon. Well, by the way, Stephen Miller's family was a sure. family that I came also, here by migration. So did Ron DeSantis' yeah, right. family. His grandmother got here like the so year Donald before Trump. Donald Trump's too, today, right before I mean, the immigration the thing laws. Too, is, and again, laws. We don't level with each other because one of the reasons why we are enjoying such an economic bump Immigration. It's immigration. immigration. It's literally the folks that have crossed the border and said, you know what? And this is what we forget really unifies us. The folks that come to the United States as immigrants, they come with this idea that they can be the best version of themselves in this country. It is, we are our ancestors of entrepreneurs, and we forget that that is the lifeblood that, again, who is afraid of that? It's the Russians and the Chinese. And we have to be very, very clear that what is happening right right now on social media when they're trying to separate us, yes, it's the far right, but the algorithms fed into us are also foreign actors, recognizing that our Achilles Mm -hmm. heel is the racism, but that our unity and our multicultural strength is what allows us to compete. And that is the thing that's so maddening is that 
Russia doesn't have to, like, invent no. conspiracy theories to hurt the U.S. Exactly. They just have to take the people's already mm-hmm. existing anxieties and, exactly right. and throw That's gas exactly on it. That's exactly right. And it's working. Mm-hmm. And it's working because people here are letting it work. Maria mm-hmm. Trisikomar, Rick Wilson, thank you all very much. Thank Great so discussion. Much. And coming up next on The Readout, in less than an hour, polls will start to close in Michigan in what could be a crucial moment for President Biden, who is facing a progressive protest movement against him with the goal of convincing him to back a ceasefire in Gaza. One of the supporters of that movement, former Congressman Andy Levin, joins me next. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer, like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Polls will be closing at the top of the hour in the Michigan primary. Now, one thing that we're going to be watching for is how President Biden does amid a protest vote movement over his administration's support of Israel in Gaza. He's faced significant opposition from not only Michigan's large Arab American and Muslim community, but also from black voters and young voters. President Biden said Monday that he's hopeful there will be a ceasefire in Gaza by next week. Appearing on Late Night with Seth Meyers, he discussed the potential path forward. Look, first of all, there are the hostages being held must be released. And if we've got a, at least a principle agreement, there will be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out. That gives us time to begin to move in directions that a lot of Arab countries are prepared to move in. The Muslim holy month of Ramadan begins March 10th. For now, Israel and Hamas, for now, Israel and Hamas have downplayed any hopes for a breakthrough in negotiations. But to be perfectly blunt, a ceasefire would help people stay alive in Gaza. But it also underscores the political challenge President Biden faces in Michigan. One of those protest voters is Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. The only Palestinian member of Congress said she was proud to vote uncommitted. When 74% of Democrats in Michigan support a ceasefire, yet President Biden is not hearing us, this is the way we can use our democracy to say, listen, listen to Michigan, listen to the families right now that have been directly impacted, but also listen to the majority of Americans who are saying enough, no more wars, no more using our dollars to fund a genocide. But Congresswoman Tlaib wasn't alone among voters using their vote as their voice in today's primary. I want President Biden to take us seriously, uh, talk about the subject more seriously. I'm hoping that it will 
tell the Democratic Party that they are making terrible decisions. I voted uncommitted to let Joe Biden know that we do not support genocide. I'm not so happy with the, how our government is running the foreign policies. Just the fact that uh, over 10,000 children have died in Gaza is unnecessary and needs to be stopped. There should be a serious fire. No candidate will receive our votes if they continue to support genocide in Gaza. Joining me now is former Michigan Congressman Andy Levin and Dana Williams, Dean of the Graduate School and Professor of African-American Literature at Howard University. Thank you both for being here. Um, I would normally do ladies first, but I do want to go to you first, uh, Andy Levin. Um, talk about this protest vote. How large do you expect it to be? And what is the message that's being sent to President Biden? Is it not getting these votes in November or something else? Hi, Joy. Well, it's great to be with you. The message is that we need this horrible war to end right now. People here are so upset about it. Yes, Arab Americans, Muslims more broadly, people of color, young people, a lot of the president's base, we're just beside ourselves here at the carnage in Gaza. It has to end. And that's the message they're sending. There are over eight months Joy, between February 27th and November 5th. <laughs> so we're not talking about November 5th now, but I'm very worried about November 5th if he doesn't change course. So this is a huge message to him to change course because you cannot get reelected as president of the United States without winning Michigan. And you can't win Michigan with this many of your base members upset. And very quickly, what do you what, what do you guys expect? Do you have an estimate? Because I know 10,000 votes was the goal, but there have been protest votes in every primary. It happens all the time. What would be considered victory for you all? I think 10,000 votes is great. I think we're now uh, expecting to get at least one uh, uncommitted delegate to the convention. And I think there may be more than that in Michigan's rules. If you get 15 percent of the vote in a congressional district, you get uh, mm -hmm. one delegate. So yeah. I think uh, it's going to be a, a very successful night tonight. I'll tell you what, Joy, my biggest fear is not that so many people come out and President Biden, you know, it's seen as like, oh, my gosh, so many people yeah. are voting uncommitted. My fear is that people stay home mm. and he the doesn't count. get the message because yeah. I don't think he can win in November here unless he changes course. So let's talk about this, because, uh, Professor Williams, there is a, there's a, there's a, there's two pieces of, of what you have to do to win Michigan. Um, you need a robust vote among the Arab American community. It's about 100,000 people. Uh, but also the African-American community. You're talking about you really need Detroit to come out. Right. So let's talk about this. Uh, Howard University, um, you all did something through impact research, a poll that talked about what black voters think. What did you find in terms of the feelings about President Biden and Donald Trump? We're looking at all black voters, which is unique in and of itself. So it gives us the opportunity really to do an analysis at a really more intentional and complex level. So what we found, interestingly enough, was that the contemporary polls don't bear out exactly what we bear it out in the term in terms of like where the support is. Some of the things, broad strokes are absolutely true. Mm -hmm. There are some instances where black women are still the stronghold. Black women are committed to the Democratic Party. But what we're also seeing is that Democratic voters are far more liberal if they are black. Um, and it doesn't matter what part of the state that they're in. So their concerns have shifted a little bit. And we asked them questions like uh, over the last five years, 
how have your politics shifted? And overwhelmingly, they have They've shifted become, to the left. That's right. Let's go through some of these numbers really quickly. Uh, Joe Biden getting in this poll of Michigan, black Michigan voters, 49 percent of the vote. Trump seemed to, high to me at 26 percent. Did that surprise you? And 9 percent for Kennedy. It did. But I think there are a number of reasons that we can begin to think about that. It's a little bit higher in Michigan than it was um, when we did the national poll, which will focus on Super Tuesday coming forward. But those numbers um, vary based on religious affiliation, sure. based on um, the issues that they identify with. Um, so if you're asking folks who identify more with threats to democracy, the numbers shift just a little bit. We were a little bit um, concerned. Yeah, about, that it's that high. The, the other piece is that black Michigan voters, reasons that you wouldn't vote, don't like the candidates, yep. don't think it matters, don't think it changes anything, and what would actually get you to vote, which I thought was really fascinating, 18% saying, seeing that my vote will change my life for the better. That does seem to be an important thing. It is because we are also trying to understand why people are making certain decisions. Our big thing really is getting people out to vote. Um, it's nonpartisan. So we really want to know what would make a difference and where are we failing with messaging? Because part of what we want to be able to do at Howard and with this public um, opinion initiative, very especially, is to make sure that we know yeah. that our voices are being heard. And we've got last one, the concerns about Biden voters' age. It did show up. Yes. Um, with Trump, it's morals, ethics, and his track record. Yeah. I think that's, you know, an obvious one. We're all very endeared to our elders in mm -hmm. every way. But the reality is people are concerned about the age. What we didn't show as much as the concern about, like, the replacement. So I think Black folks are still very comfortable with Kamala yeah. Harris. And last um, question, did Gaza come up in the poll? It didn't as much as we imagined that it would. We did ask the question very explicitly. We know that there are affinity groups mm -hmm. and that black folks relate very specifically to Africa, uh, to Arab Americans um, sure. in Michigan. But the biggest number still for black folks were the economy, which well, economy and jobs, which yeah. suggested that there's still a messaging problem because it's a strong economy. Yeah. And the That's unemployment rate through. is high. So messaging seems to be what the biggest problem is. And so I'm going to come back to you, Andy Levin. What does the coalition look like in your group? Because I know, you know, I'm just just polling sort of the unofficial poll of just people I know of young black yeah. people. It seems to be a intense concern on Gaza. But this poll is showing that's not necessarily across the board. What does the coalition look like that's trying to send this message to President Biden? No, Joy, I think you're right. I mean, young people are really upset about this. You've got to understand Michigan, right? We're the most intensely Arab American state. If you're a college student at any one of our campus, you're you're African American, you've got Arab American friends. And across young Jewish progressives, Arab Americans, other Muslims, there are many black Muslims in Michigan, right? And yeah. we've got in the black church, AME bishops across the country, uh, and over a thousand black pastors telling the president, this is unconscionable. You must change. So I think there is a really strong African-American component to this movement, as well as a whole uh, diversity of other groups. And we are saying that you need to change course right now. I think the professor is so right on the economy. I'm ready to go out and campaign for Joe Biden on the economy, right? I was so proud to pass the Investing in America agenda with him. We are creating a lot of great union jobs in Michigan and across the country that we can talk about. The problem is, you know, Donald Trump won Michigan by 10,000 votes in 2016. And then Joe Biden won it by 150,000 votes in 2020. That itself is still pretty close. Yeah. And if a lot of young people stay at home on November 5th, it's going to be big trouble for Joe Biden.
And you said, um, Dana Williams, that it is about messaging, messaging, messaging. What kind of messaging were the voters that you all talked to looking to hear? What do they want to hear? They really want to know exactly where the money is in relation to support for jobs, economy, affordable housing, health care. Um, Obviously, reproductive rights was a big part of the conversation as well. Um, the income inequality and racial justice were, or yeah. injustice, I guess I should say, were the top Where issues. the money is being spent, where the yes. federal money is being spent. I think I hear that one a lot, too. It's an important issue. Uh, former Congressman Andy Levin, Professor Dana Williams, thank you both for being here. And coming up, when people show you who they are, believe them. Republicans are in full panic mode now that America has realized that they are trying to send America straight back to the 1950s with abortion and IVF restrictions and the looming threat of rights rolled back on birth control and even divorce. That's up next. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Earlier today, the Alabama State Senate took up a new bill that would shield clinics providing in vitro fertilization treatments, or IVF, from legal action, at least until 2025. It comes after a ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court stating that frozen embryos are children and actual people could be held liable for discarding or destroying them. It's plunged the National Republican Party into full-blown freakout mode with several right-wing Congress members rushing to say that, yes, 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 they support IVF, even though many of them previously backed the Life at Conception Act that could restrict or even make aspects of the procedure illegal. But Republicans have good reason to be nervous. Not only is IVF widely popular, but new polling shows voters are also worried about what might be the next target in post-Roe America, birth control. A new poll from Impact Research found that most voters across the political spectrum believe that their access to birth control is actively at risk. And 81 percent say they support the Right to Contraception Act, a bill that would ensure access to contraception nationwide, a bill that 195 House Republicans, including the current speaker, Mike Johnson, voted against in 2022. Joining me now is Molly Murphy, president of Impact Research which conducted this poll. Molly, thank you for being here. Thanks Give for me the top me. lines. What did y'all find out? Well, the first most important thing that we found out here is that birth control is popular and contraception is popular across the board. We don't need to split hairs and say, is it the pill? Yeah. Is it an IUD? Is it an emergency contraception? Popular All across the board. Across party. Across party lines. Yeah. Most people don't think this is a controversial issue. Yeah. And so 
they are now thinking maybe it is more controversial. Maybe these Republicans are coming for it. It's why you see two thirds of Americans are concerned about their right to access contraception. And, and I think finally people are waking up. We were talking a little bit about this in the break. People didn't think Roe was going to really go down. Yeah. And now that it's gone down, they're having to really reorient themselves to what the possibilities are in their state. So if this is from your poll. If your Congress member opposed the right to the, con- the right to Contraception Act, how would that impact your likelihood to vote for them? 58% say they'd be less likely. Only 9% said more likely. How concerned are you that the Supreme Court will overturn the constitutional right to contraception, which they would? Mm-hmm. 61% say it's very or somewhat likely, 33% not too concerned. I'm surprised a third are still not too concerned because they're going to do it. They're going to do it. That third is the Republican ultimate base. And that's really who Republican elected officials care about at the end sure. of the day. Pretty much anyone else who is not saying you could virtually do anything and be a Republican and I'll vote for you are saying that they are concerned about this. And this is a real shift from what we saw before the Dobbs decision, when people ultimately didn't think that abortion rights were going to go away. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we heard after that decision came down from people is what's next. Yeah. And so it makes all of these things more credible. And they're starting to think about these things. It's important to note that this poll was conducted prior to the Alabama decision. Ah. I think these numbers might have been larger if we yeah. had gone into the field this week yeah. as opposed to two weeks ago. Well, what's next? Uh, let's go to Missouri, uh, where there's a total ban on abortion, where once you're pregnant, you are state property. They now have a new law which says pregnant women can't get divorced. So uh, Democrats in Missouri are trying to overturn this law. It's a 1973 law. It bans women from getting divorced while they're pregnant. Three other states have similar laws. Texas, of course, Arizona, and Arkansas. So once you're pregnant, you're not only state property, you're your husband's property. Mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, time after time, when voters are presented with this information, they're willing to vote on this information. That's another thing that this So they have to actually be presented with it in a campaign. I mean, truly, if you are trying to live your life, you're not following politics, you're busy, you've got kids or you've got work and you've got commitments— you would never think in a million years, is there a law that prevents a pregnant woman from getting a divorce? No, of course not. And so the goal here is to get in front of people and let them know this. One of the things we also found in this poll is while most people, a plurality of people believe that it is Democrats who are pushing the Right to Contraception Act, Mm -hmm. they're correct. About a quarter of them believe that this is bipartisan. And the reality is it's not. not. And so I think getting in front of voters and telling them these rights are under threat, which you well know, and some of the things that you think are common sense, 68 percent of Republicans support the Right to Contraception Act. Mm -hmm. They're elected representatives. The people that they're usually voting for are not with them. And I think one of the reasons people are confused is the New Republic has a piece about the the hypocrisy here in this Alabama ruling. So there's a woman named Michael Steele, Michelle Steele, sorry, Michelle Steele. She tweeted on Thursday. She's a congresswoman. She tweeted, as someone who struggled to get pregnant, I believe all life is a gift. IVF allowed me, as it has so many others, to start my family. Still solidarity with Alabama and IVF patients rings pretty hollow, considering she Mm co-sponsored the Life at Conception Act, which which could make IVF illegal. So these politicians are saying, I'm for IVF, but they're actually voting to make it That's illegal. That's right. And Michelle Steele is a Republican congresswoman. Republicans have control of the House of Representatives. She is in a position to do something about this. What She's is she doing? To. She's yeah. not going to. So these are incredibly hollow words. And in fact, I think we'll see in the Senate that they're going to block Senator Duckworth's bill. And all of these words about I support babies and I support families is fine, but show me what you're going to do They're about also it. against, like, you know, 
student nutrition, kids yep. getting school lunch. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not really for anything that has to do with um, kids. Is this, in our previous segment, we talked about the fact that it's a lot a messaging issue. It's mm-hmm. a question of people don't know, so they're not That's acting right. on knowledge. They don't. Is this also a situation where if Democrats were messaging on this, it would actually be more impactful? Yes, absolutely. And I think we saw that in 2022. From the time the Dobbs decision came down, from the to the time that voters voted across the country, this was a relentless conversation about the threat to abortion rights. And we saw that that worked, especially in places that had competitive elections. Sure. If you don't talk about it, people are not going to find it on their own. So this is an incredibly important thing to continue to drive. Mm-hmm. It extends the conversation beyond what people already know, which is abortion rights in this country are now under threat. Mm-hmm. People are waking up to that reality, but now they need to know what else is coming down the pike. And I think these opportunities, like what happened in Alabama, allows Democrats to say, we are not spinning a tail here. This right. is the truth. This is happening. Look around you. And we see this. Two-thirds of people are worried that these restrictions are going to keep happening in yeah, other states. and they are going to. Yes. And I think the reality is, believe them. They said they're going to do it. They're, yes. they're, they're going to do it. Molly Murphy, thank you very much. Thank, thank you for doing this research. And coming out, Tennessee saw all the recent Republican chaos and draconian laws and said, hold my beer. More with Democratic State Representative Justin Jones, one of the iconic Tennessee Three, next. As you have probably noticed, things have gotten really out of control in Alabama, Missouri, Texas, Florida, and Tennessee. Just last week, neo-Nazis marched down the streets of Nashville in broad daylight, carrying flags with swastikas. While those modern-day Hitler fans were marching in the streets, Tennessee House Republicans were passing laws that banned different flags. On Monday, they approved a bill that would ban ideological flags in schools, including pride flags and Black Lives Matter flags. It will not surprise you that the bill does not, I repeat, does not explicitly prohibit the display of the Nazi or the Confederate flag in schools, because there's nothing wrong with those. Republicans have also advanced a bill that would make street protests a felony. Democrats pointed out that such a law would have prevented John Lewis and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from marching across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has also signed a law that allows public officials to refuse to perform same-sex marriages if it goes against their beliefs. While Republicans are clearly targeting same-sex couples, the law opens the door to people refusing to marry people for a whole host of reasons, including race, religion, and national origin. Joining me now is Tennessee State Representative Justin Jones. Representative Jones, what in the hell is going on in your state? Well, Joy, um, the former Confederacy continues to be a birthplace of bad ideas. <laughs> Clearly. And, and the terrifying thing is, is that this is where they're testing out these ideas before they nationalize them. That these ideas are being waged, you know, the battles are being waged on the front lines of our state houses, but they're going to be nationalized if we don't stop them at their root, which is in states like Tennessee and Alabama and Texas and Mississippi. Yeah. These are the front lines where we have to fight for democracy. I, I saw your, your uh, I reposted actually your Instagram because you were actually there when the Nazis were marching through uh, Nashville how is it that they're now pushing through a law that would ban marches for Black Lives Matter, but not Nazi marches? I mean, they're showing us who they are. 
you know, just yesterday, um, as I tried to tell them that their policies attacking immigrants, attacking the LGBTQ community, banning black history, are inviting these neo-Nazis to come, um, I was silenced by the Speaker of the House and stopped from speaking. Um, and when we try and raise these concerns that we are welcoming hate at the same time, we are banning pride flags from our schools. Yeah. I mean, it, it is creating this 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 morally insane environment where you, you're not even engaging. You know, there's the saying, speak truth to power. We're speaking truth to insanity. At least yeah. we're trying to when we're not silenced. I think we have a picture of you with your hand raised. I mean, this was, and you said it was two hours. We were talking in the break. It was like two hours, two hours. of you not being recognized, not being allowed to speak, silence to get on the floor. They're now pushing through a law that if you are expelled, which you were and uh, Justin Pearson and of course, Ms. Gloria were also expelled, you couldn't actually run again. That's their new plan. Do you think they're planning to expel y'all again? I mean, and that bill passed the House last night without even, I wasn't even allowed to speak on that bill. And, <laughs> and this is just showing us that they are so intent on silencing voices of dissent because they're trying to show us that this is not a multiracial democracy anymore. And so there are threats that we may be expelled, but we're not afraid of that because what they're trying to do is intimidate us. These are tactics of intimidation. These are tactics of trying to rewage their lost fight last year when they expelled us and we walked back right. three days later. This is what they're trying to stop, but they cannot stop the momentum, the movement, the light that is shining in Tennessee and across the South. There was even an attack on a Grammy winner. So there is a, a there was a proclamation that was supposed to honor Alison Russell, who was a black country music artist, but allowing a similar measure to pass for a group called Paramore, who are white. That seems so obvious that you would think they wouldn't try it, but they did. They did. I mean, they went after a black queer um, immigrant woman who has spoken about a more inclusive state and who, who had a song that she won a Grammy for called Eve is Black. And they didn't like the title. Because they didn't like the title? They didn't like the title of the song because, oh, um, again, trying to erase people's identity, trying to erase reality and erase history. Let's talk about these last two things, because the one about pride flags, flags being banned, what would that mean? So you couldn't have a pride flag in your class. Would that actually mean you'd be fired? You can be arrested. Fi- it's, I mean, you can be fired. You, you can be sued. I mean, this is just the the madness that we're dealing with is that they were questioned. They had an, actually an amendment to make so you can keep Confederate flags in classrooms because they're considered, quote unquote, battle flags. But pride flags, which say you are welcome here, which are about inclusivity, they feel are a threat to their dominant narrative of white Christian nationalism. That's really what this was about last night. And rather than address this and answer questions, the sponsor and the speaker were cowards and chose to shut down debate and not let us even talk about this and ask the questions that our constituents sent us down there to ask. Is there any sign that voters in Tennessee are going to start punishing Republicans for this? Because we could just do we could do 10 more of these. You know, I, I was telling you, I watched the Tennessee Holler I, on social media. They do 10 of these a day. Is there any sign that voters have had enough and are going to start voting these people out? I mean, we're seeing a, a movement that is rising up that is multiracial. We're seeing people in rural counties saying we're tired of this because they're getting ready to vote on vouchers, which are going to destroy these rural school, public right. school districts. And so we, we already have more rural hospitals closed per capita than any other state. And so either they're going to wake up or they're going to find themselves in, in a place where you know, that, that they can't get out of. And so what is happening is that we, we need to continue to to shine light to show that they're hurting their own people when they're attacking public education, when they're keeping people in poverty jobs, when they're denying them health care. This is your rural district. And so we need people to say that, to put that reality over these tactics of division of, of white supremacy, because that's their strategies, is to divide us and make us not talk about how we are fighting the same system that is a small group of extremists who are controlling our state. The, the last bill I want to talk about is this marriage bill, because it, it does appear that it will allow public officials to refuse to marry people based on LGBTQ. But is there anything that would block somebody who there was a famous Tennessee pastor who 10 years ago said he wouldn't marry people that were interracial couples? Could that also be somebody could say, I'm not going to marry an interracial couple? 
I mean, this is what this is opening the door for. And this is what they want to open the door for. They're taking us back in time. Literally, Joy, every day we're in that building, um, you got to set your clock back 50 years because that's what's (laughs) happening. And so this is terrible, but really what it should be clarifying for us that we have to take these people seriously. We have to fight them. This is not a time to try and make friends with these folks, these extremists in our legislature. Like I tell them, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make change for my district. And what that means being silenced or being expelled, whatever it means, we're going to fight for their people too, for their constituents too. And I hope that the people of Tennessee, the Republicans particularly, wake up and said that these folks are not serving their interests because what is happening is that they are using them as pawns and getting them to come out and say, um, this is about beating up on a few young black men, but really this is about beating up on our system of democracy that is silencing them and serving corporate interests. That's, that's what's, what's and allowing about. the gun lobby to just run rampant because anything to do with guns, that will pass. Anything that will, pass. That will, that will make it easier. That's the only bill we passed after the shooting, the mass shooting in Nashville, was a bill protecting firearms manufacturers from being sued. The only gun bill we've passed in Tennessee since that mass shooting that, t- that got national attention last year. The last time you were here, you were moving to have the speaker sanctioned mm. um, for his actions uh, as speaker and his attacks on yourself, uh, Justin Pearson and Gloria Johnson. Any movement on that? So we have filed our motions. They filed a response. We filed a, a response motion to that. My attorneys are now we're waiting for the judges to, to respond. But Speaker Sexton continues to act unconstitutionally. He continues to be the George Wallace of the 21st century, the Bull Connor of the 21st century. And they're trying to ban history because when history looks down on where he stood in this time, yeah. his children will be ashamed and that he's he's shaming the South. But we represent a new South and we're unafraid. Um, you definitely are unafraid. That is for sure. Uh, Tennessee State Representative Justin Jones, glad you were in D.C. and able to come on set and talk with us. Good luck and Godspeed. We'll be right back. (laughs) We are seconds away from most of the polls closing in tonight's pivotal primary in the state of Michigan. Special coverage led by my colleagues Chris Hayes, Alex Wagner, and of course, Steve Kornacki at the big board is going to start in literally 12 seconds. If you are in line, stay in line. Your vote counts. Don't get out of line, but polls are going to close in five, four, three, two. And here we go. Stay with us. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. 